Once upon a time, fairy tales were thought of as a way to entertain children. Now, as most of us do know, that a lot of these stories were very dark and they had horrible endings. Then Disney came around and revamped everything and made everything so happy-go-lucky. In the 90s, studios tried to go back to that dark period. We had movies like Snow White, A Tale of Terror that had Sigourney Weaver in it, which was actually very well done. And then we had garbage like Rumpelstiltskin. Now, Rumpelstiltskin had been locked away for centuries, shows up in the 90s, and somehow he is able to ride a motorcycle and drive stick in an 18-wheeler without any issues. He must have went to the same driving school that Michael Myers went to in the 1978 Halloween movie, where he was, you know, shunned away as a child, escapes a mental facility as an adult, and somehow he's able to drive without anybody pulling him over. I guess he used his blinkers and uh, paid attention to the road signs. But there was one studio in particular that decided that they were going to make Pinocchio into a darker movie, a darker story. And that's when we got 1996's Pinocchio's Revenge. Normally I would play a trailer uh, right after I said the title. It's always like that. Don't ask me why. It just somehow happened and it never stopped and the reason is for it is just to jog your memory a little bit maybe it's about 20 30 seconds um this time the only thing i can find for this movie is a two minute trailer which i'm not going to subject you guys to because there really would be no point and the reason there really isn't much promotion for this movie is because it went straight to vhs trimark pictures was like ah we're going to make some straight to vhs movies and we're just going to throw them out there for video rental now i know that many of you have probably seen the cover of this you know, it's got Pinocchio on the front. He looks very upset. And to me, it's marketed as a horror movie, which I feel like at the end of the day, it really isn't. I don't know what the studio. I feel like this movie doesn't know what it really wants to be. But at the end of it, you're left scratching your head and it's not for like, oh, what the hell did I just watch? It's really like, OK, I'm trying to piece all this together because I don't know how to digest it. If, if that's the, the thought process that I'm trying to do, because when we were done watching it and this is very rare that my wife sits and watches a whole movie but there were so many twists and turns in this where we were like we had a, like a 30 minute discussion when it was done like how why where was there any explanation because when this movie starts there's a there's a man in the middle of the woods and he's burying two bodies in there one of them turns out to be his son and the other one turns out to be pinocchio there really is no explanation on why this man is doing what he's doing. And we find out that his name is Frank Gatto. Now, Gatto, I feel like it's kind of a play on words, maybe with Geppetto because he is a puppet maker. And apparently he's the one that crafted this Pinocchio. But there really is no backstory to this whole thing at all. Like none whatsoever. And then we get Jennifer, who's played by Rosalind Allen. Now, with her, I, I didn't know what to think because I was like, you know what? It took me about a good five, ten minutes to figure out where I saw her from. And then I realized that she was that uh, that uh, beautiful reporter who was trying to hit on Tim Allen on, on Home Improvement. And that's when I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let's get back to the movie. So once I got that out of my out of my system, you know, I started paying attention more and more what was going on. And she's a divorce lawyer 
who is trying to defend Frank Gatto. Now, Frank Gatto is being blamed with a whole bunch of child murders that were happening around the city, but she feels like he's innocent and he's trying to protect someone. She's asking him a series of questions and he's like, no, no, no. You know, she feels like he's lying. Apparently, she's very good at her job, but she feels like he's lying and very rightfully so, because like I said, when this thing's over, you don't know what to think. Now, as the movie went on, I started asking myself a series of questions. Now, the first one that bothered me the most, and it shouldn't have, is the title, Pinocchio's Revenge. Who the hell is he getting revenge on? In this movie, nobody has done anything wrong to him for him to act out in a, in a vengeful manner. Not, 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 not even the, the slightest bit. You know, the mom, the daughter, the boyfriend, nor the nanny did shit to him, and now he's trying to get his revenge. I can understand if this was a sequel and people did him wrong. Kind of like Freddy's Revenge or Jaws' Revenge, and he's just trying to get back at everyone. Yeah, that, may, that would make more sense. But there is no backstory. Could this puppet been carved out of a piece of wood that a serial killer died on i don't know i just wish they would have given me something to work with here and they didn't so before i get way too carried away over a freaking title which i always do um let's get to meet the rest of the characters now we have zoe who is jennifer's daughter now zoe is a troublesome child who is fighting at school she even bit some fucking girl's ear off like if she was tyson um, I feel like she's not coping well with the fact that her parents are divorced. I kind of feel like Dr. Phil here, but no, it's just, you know, we hear her talk a lot about her dad leaving them. And that's what makes me think, you know, what actually makes me come to that conclusion. And then there's Sophia, the hot nanny, and we'll get to her in just a couple minutes. And then to round out the cast of characters is David. David is played by Todd Allen, who is in real life married to the actress who plays Jennifer, Rosalind Allen. Now, the reason I bring that up at, you know, right now is the fact that they have a sex scene in this. And, you know, I'm not one to shy away from sex scenes or whatever. It doesn't matter. But it was it was unneeded. There was really no point to it. It was like, oh, they're having a birthday party. Then, bam, somebody's having sex. And it's like, well, well shit. At least kiss the woman first. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. And then we get Sophia. Now, Sophia has a full frontal nude scene. She's coming out of the shower. I'm like, whoa, you know, there's everything, you know, nothing left to the imagination. And then I get asked the dumbest question imaginable, which gave me a headache. And that question was, so what would you think of? Well, what would you do if we had a hot nanny? Oh, this is this is this is the talk we're about to have. So I have to pause the movie. And I'm like, why would we have a nanny? We don't even have money like that. Like, what makes you think of these? And these are stupid questions that there really is no win. There really is no correct answer in this because everything you say or any type of movement or if you're not looking at them in the eye means that you're going to go have some sort of weird affair. And you shouldn't even be getting in trouble for this shit. But. That's what happens when we watch movies like this. I get in trouble for things that other people do in movies. Um, I remember us watching the Amityville Horror remake and with Ryan Reynolds, and he goes outside in the middle of the storm and locks a, like locks like this uh, little place where they have the boats sitting in. And she goes and looks at me and says, you wouldn't go outside if we did that. 
I'm like, what the fuck are you, what are you talking about? Like, what? How am I getting in trouble for this? We don't even own a boat. Like, I don't know. I shouldn't even be getting worked up over that either. But that's where we were at with this. You know, there was two scenes that were really unneeded. They were back to back. And I'm like, ah, maybe, uh, you know, whatever. Thank you. Hi, diddly dee. Are those things for me? Okay, now let's just plow ahead from all this junk. But, so the gist of the story is Jennifer was trying to defend Frank because she feels like Frank, who's Mr. Gatto, the, the, the serial killer at the beginning of the movie, or so-called serial killer, she feels like he's innocent. She feels like he's hiding something, he's protecting someone, the real killer. And she knows that deep down in her heart that he could not have murdered his son. No way in hell. Or could he have been tied to any of those other murders that were happening around town? Uh, you know, somebody was going out just killing kids all over the place. She knows that, that that could not have been him. She feels very strongly about it. He just wants to die. They give him the death penalty. He gets the chair. And she feels like she failed. And somehow, I don't know if this is legal. I'm, I'm not, you know, a lawyer or any type of any person involved in anything like that. But I don't think it's right for her to take evidence home. But somehow she's able to take Pinocchio home. Now, Zoe's birthday is coming up and the certain doll that she ordered was not ready in time. So they gifted her Pinocchio for her birthday. And as I said, I don't understand how she was able to take evidence home. Uh, they don't, there's really a lot of questions, as I said, when this movie's over with, like, how were they able to do all this stuff? But let's suspend belief for a little bit. One thing I won't suspend belief for is the fact that they had a freaking piñata in the middle of their living room. Now, here in Texas, where I live and being Hispanic as I am, that's like something that happens at every kid's birthday party. Every kid's birthday party is always filled with beer. And uh, it's really never about the kid. It's about the, the parents just getting together and partying. But there's always some sort of piñata involved. And it's outside and they, you know, they hang it from a tree and somebody's blindfolded and they're trying to beat the trash out of it with a stick. But these people are doing it in the middle of their living room. Where they hung it up from, I don't know, maybe a ceiling fan. Um, but I, I just, you know what, I, I, I can't, I can't really grasp my mind around the fact that these kids were in close proximity of that freaking stick. And I've been hit by one of those damn sticks before because my ass was trying to jump and get the candy before everybody else did. And the dude hadn't even swung yet. And, uh, I got popped. And these kids were just there jumping around this little girl and she had no room to swing. Um, one of those things that I, I shouldn't get worked up over, but they did that. Um, once again, another piece of the movie that makes no sense to me. When you see films like this, you start comparing them to other movies that are similar. And by that, I mean maybe Puppet Master, Dolly Dearest, and most likely Child's Play. Now, everybody knows Child's Play. There's really nobody in this world that does not try to scare their children or wasn't scared as a child of Chucky. I feel like Pinocchio's Revenge kind of just ripped a lot of stuff from, from the Child's Play series and put them in here, which made it a little more enjoyable to watch. But I kind of figured, oh, that's from that movie. Oh, I remember that scene from Child's Play 2. You know, things like that happen. And even to the point to where the puppet is only talking to Zoe. And when Zoe tries to confront the puppet in front of everyone, the, you know, he doesn't talk. Um, The mom gets all 
kind of bent out of shape because Zoe is now having psychiatric help. She's got a psychiatrist that she's going to. And, you know, because she's just lashing out and nobody can understand why things keep happening around her. Now, let's go back a little bit, because remember, I said a little while ago that she was having trouble at school. She takes Pinocchio to school and somehow Pinocchio, without anybody looking, sticks a uh, a broom handle into the little girl's bike, flips her over. She gets ran over by a bus. Yeah, that, that went south really quick. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, this little girl got ran over by a bus. And then somehow she's still intact and she's breathing and the, the bus driver like jumps off and he's like, oh, she's okay. The hell you just ran over a little kid with a freaking bus. This isn't like Pet Cemetery where, you know, Gage runs into the thing. He runs into the middle of the street and he gets plowed through by a freaking semi and somehow he's not hamburger meat all over the floor. Th- this is a freaking bus like the dude ran over her and he picks her up and the teacher runs over there and everybody's like, oh, my God, this little girl got ran over. He's like, ah, don't worry about it. She could walk it off. Jesus Christ, the 90s, you got to love them, you know. But they're tying all this back to Zoe. David gets put into the hospital. And Pinocchio asks Zoe, hey, if you cut my strings, you can set me free and I can be a real boy. Zoe kind of hesitated a little bit about about it. And she's like, "Okay, cool, I'll cut your strings. Now, that part didn't make sense to me because earlier in the movie, Pinocchio kind of jumped off. And he was able to walk around. And that's, you know, why did you need to cut your strings if you were already able to move around freely on your own? I didn't write any of this stuff. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> but that's where we're at. Like everybody keeps blaming, you know, Zoe for all these things that are happening. In reality, she's like saying, hey, Pinocchio's doing all this stuff. Nobody's believing her. Now, one funny bit about Pinocchio is the fact that when he's running and you see the guy in a costume, that's actually Vern Troyer, uh, Mini-Me. And when you do watch it, it's kind of funny because I saw him run in Austin Powers and I immediately recognized him from the way he ran. No, no, we don't gnaw on our kitty. Leave me, no, leave Minnie Mr. Bigglesworth alone. Just love him, stroke him. Everything starts to unravel. As we find out that the psychiatrist had been secretly videotaping his office the whole entire time. Now, there's a scene where, as I said, Pinocchio starts moving his mouth. He's talking. He's moving. You know, he's looking around. And the psychiatrist calls Jennifer and says, hey, uh, we need to talk to you about Zoe. I, I have a video I have to show you. She shows up. They look at the video. And now the surveillance video or the hidden camera is seeing the interaction between Zoe and Pinocchio and Pinocchio's not moving at all. His mouth isn't moving. His eyes aren't moving around. He's not moving his arms, nothing. She's basically talking to herself. You don't even hear his voice. That's where things get way out of whack. That's when you start thinking psychologically like, okay, if this puppet is not alive, what the hell is really going on here? I hope you're happy. Now he thinks I heard David. Are you sure you didn't? What do you mean? You know. No, I don't. You're the one who slammed the door in his face. Are you sure? Who else could have it been? Who do you think? Oh, no. It wasn't me. It was you. 
How do you know? Shut up. Did you see me? Shut up. If you weren't there, how can you be so sure it was me? Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up! To make things even weirder, I started coming up with a theory. Now, when I started coming up with this, it, it happened after the movie was done. And then I rewatched it. I had to rewatch it because I was like, maybe I'm missing something here. That didn't happen. So, David dies in the hospital. Jennifer comes home to find out that the nanny is now dead on the floor. And both scenes, we see a physical, I don't want to sound smart here, but manifestation of, of Pinocchio. We see him go to the hospital. We see him kill Sophia. The mom comes home and she finds, you know, Sophia dead on the floor. And now Pinocchio's chasing her with a knife and he's trying to stab through the door. What's going on? Why are we seeing this? So there's a big fight between Jennifer and Pinocchio. She throws Pinocchio into a, you know, one of those dining room tables, the little small ones that is glass. He falls through. She runs over there with a sigh of relief like, oh, my God, I I can't believe I, I attacked this thing. And she finds out that it's Zoe that is now in the table that's broken. So what the hell's going on? Once again, I'm asking that, like, how, you know, uh, that was the twist in the movie because nobody can. I How do I put this? It seems like everybody can only see Pinocchio, but they're not seeing Zoe. Zoe has been the killer the entire time. That was the twist. It was Zoe the entire freaking time. But all we saw was what the characters in the movie saw. And that was Pinocchio. Now, here's my question that may have answered my previous question about how she was able to take evidence home. She asked her boss, hey, you know, you remember that Pinocchio doll that that I, you know, that we had earlier from the murder he looks at her and says, what, what doll? What, what, what puppet? I, I don't know what you're talking about. And that really, that small, subtle scene made me think, is all this shit in everybody's mind? Is, you know, was Frank Gatto maybe some sort of, you know, evil? Did he have some sort of evil that was just transferred over to someone else? I don't know. This was this was basically the conversation we had 30 minutes after the movie was done. And I'm like, OK, after we watch this, maybe I missed something. And there really is nothing that I missed. What happened? How did this happen? Once again, there is no backstory. And I feel like I'm repeating myself quite a bit in this whole episode. But there's just so many questions that are left unanswered in this. But one thing is for sure. Zoe was the killer. And the movie ends so abruptly. You know, she finds out that that she thought she threw Pinocchio into the glass. It turned out to be Zoe. And then it cuts to a psychiatric hospital where she's like, you know, Jennifer's sitting there next to Zoe. Zoe's like in this catatonic state where she's just staring straight ahead. And Jennifer's like, wow, you know, I will not stop until my daughter gets out of here. And the psychiatrist is like, let's just hope she never gets out. But what happens when she does get out? That's the question that I want to know. Now, I I feel like this whole movie was full of questions that were left unanswered. 
And that's the fun part. I like movies that have you asking everything, questioning everything, questioning reality, because you're like, wait a minute, what happened here? Some people don't like that. Some people do. Um, I guess that's why I would consider this more of a psychological thriller instead of a horror movie. Uh, even though the cover and the trailer say something completely different. Now, this movie isn't bad, nor is it good. It's somewhere right in the middle where I have to tell people, maybe you should watch it just once. Now, the movie is broken up into pieces on YouTube, so I'm not going to link all that. You can just type in their Pinocchio's Revenge full movie and you'll get it. It's a it's like I said, it's a thinking movie. I'm not used to those. A lot of these bad movies, you just kind of turn your brain off and keep on going. But for me to have a 30 minute conversation when it was done tells me that, okay, it it struck some kind of some kind of nerve. It hit something to where I can say, you know what? I enjoyed this. And this day and age when everybody's up in arms when a remake is happening or some sort of reboot or a revamping or reimagining, whatever you want to call it. I feel like studios should grab bad movies that are relatively unknown and just make them better because some of these stories are really well done. It's just maybe the time period that they were made in was it just wasn't, you know, obviously their time. Maybe it's this movie may have done a lot better had it had been maybe 2000s, 2010s, maybe. Who knows? But I do know this. You can catch me on my Instagram, which is going to be linked in the show's description. And as I said before, you can watch Pinocchio's Revenge on YouTube. It is broken up into like 10 parts. Um, Go seek this out. No bullshit. Go seek this out because I know that you'll probably have the exact same, once again, questions that I have. Now, if you are drinking and listening to this, please take a shot every time I say the word question or revenge or Pinocchio, because you will be shit-faced by the end of it. I'll see you guys next time. Strings, but now I'm 